0: Rolling on one, tapes in motion. Okay, we're rolling again. Nine zero two four six, part one, take one. Thank you, and thank you very kindly. It is indeed a great pleasure to present to you at this particular time. Mysterious objects at noon, episode two, hosted by me. National and international known as the hardest working man in show business, Mr. Dynamite, the amazing Mr. Please Please himself, the star of the show. Um, me. Ryan, Ryan Evans. Let's get into it. Ready? Okay, so the name of this one is going to be Two Niles to Sing a Melody. And it starts a a long time ago when I was the musical director at a college radio station and I had a problem. I found that filed between the overplayed Black Keys and Arctic Monkeys CDs and the rotating cast of new releases was a dusty filing cabinet full of music simply filed under world. This troubled me. The way that we in the US label any music not created in our borders as world music seems very telling. But more importantly, it also serves to homogenize an entire globe's worth of cultural exports and musical traditions into one sterile and vapid haze. I spent the better part of a semester attempting to make some sense of the world section, trying to divide by continent, country, culture, styles, but the more I organized, the more apparent it became to me, just how little I knew about music from outside my very narrow circle. For me, one of the first big breakthroughs was the music of Africa. Welcome to flight 002 to Africa. Flight time will be 10 hours and 45 minutes. As someone who grew up listening to funk and blues, the rhythms and tones of African music at large felt like a familiar echo. In his book, Blues People, Amiri Baraka draws the line from traditional African music to the polyrhythmic, drum-driven folk music of the first American slaves, to the spirituals that grew out of the African-American Christian Church, to the sorrow-drenched, shouted blues, and eventually to the birth of jazz. The line can be drawn even further now, as jazz has been chopped and screwed into hip-hop, as the blues of plantation fields were reimagined and, in some cases, stolen outright, into rock and roll, as the spiritual music coming from Baptist churches is reborn into soul, and so on. There is so little American music that doesn't owe at least something, if not everything, to the musical tradition of African Americans and tracing far enough back to the musical cultures of Africa. Of this is Africa. Land of all black. For me and I think for many people, the first sound you are likely to hear from Africa is afrobeat as presented by Fela Kuti and his Africa 70. Drawing from his own Nigerian roots and infusing them with the heavy funk of James Brown, Fela rose to musical superstardom by riding on the driving, irresistible beat. Tony Allen's drums provide the foundation, a band of excellent musicians build upon it, and at Fela's urging, launch into long, politically motivated, Funky in the extreme, tracks that stretch, stretch, stretch. In Nigeria, you don't make short records. The musical masturbation of the Western world hasn't sort of uh, impinged on their creativity. Those guys play, and uh, 18 minutes is not long enough. With call-and-response lyrics delivered like sermons from the mount, Songs of Fella Kuti feel less like pop tracks and more like religious ceremonies. Fela continually criticized the Nigerian government in his music, songs such as Zombie and Gentleman, directly critiquing the military dictatorship and class of reigning elites. Zombie, oh, zombie. Zombie, oh, zombie. Zombie, oh, Zombie. zombie, oh, zombie. zombie. Zombie no go go unless you tell him to go Zombie Zombie not go stop unless you tell him to stop Zombie Zombie not go turn unless you tell him to turn Zombie Zombie not go think unless you tell him to think His radical ideas in both politics and music brought the attention of the government, which made attempts on his life more than once. Fela's legacy lives on today. That's what it is. I'm still the number one band in Africa. Um, that is true, I made it a little sacrifice for that, but that is what I wanted to happen. Because by the time I started to play my music, I was starting the press at that time that African music was going to be the music of the future. fellow Nigerian William Onyabar was my next stop on my voyage into African music. Little is known about Onyabar, aside from the fact that he was one of the first musicians to fuse African music with synthesizers. Synthesizers that he brought back into Nigeria after studying abroad in Russia. A reclusive man prone to secrecy, Onyabar released about ten albums in the 70s and 80s before becoming a born-again Christian and completely renouncing all of his music, and refusing to ever talk about his secular life again. Take the track Atomic Bomb as a perfect example of his genius. What begins as a simple string of keys tapped out quickly becomes alchemized into a synth-drenched funk free-for-all, the drums fuzzed out and seemingly programmed to get your head bopping, and the vocals undeniably jolly.
1: I find it impossible
0: not to smile and sometimes laugh while listening to Onybar. just the sense of pure joy that radiates from his music, the feeling one gets that he was truly plugged into the process, the wobbly, playful synthesizers and tambourines that carry all of his tracks, even the images on his album covers. The man sitting at a keyboard surrounded by microphones and synthesizers, wearing a cowboy hat sitting on a low wall wearing a huge red sombrero, velvet suits, white pants. Every time, a sly smile breaking out into a wide grin. And as much of a huge global musical star verging on God King as Fela became, Onyabar sits perfectly in that cult status of artist who disappeared. The kind of name that people in the know share with winks and smiles, the kind of music that feels like a secret, a revelation, when you finally stumble onto it. My knowledge of the music of Africa expanded from there, to include the Saharan guitar masters Tanari Wen, a group of Tuareg nomads who traveled northern Africa, combining the protest music of the area with western guitar styles. From Tanari Wen, I discovered the Malian guru of desert blues, Ali Faka Tore, whose scratchy playing is reminiscent of Lightning Hopkins, filtered through the dust and wind of the Sahara. I later took a deep dive into Afrobeat, and discovered fellow Nigerian countrymen like the Lijadu Sisters, Orlando Julius, King Day. And for a while, that was where my knowledge of African music ended. All in all, a rather slim slice of musical traditions ranging from Nigeria to Mali to the Sahara to Ethiopia, certainly not comprehensive, but enough to make me endlessly curious about what music might be waiting around any corner. But recently... I was sent down the rabbit hole again. I was sitting on my porch reading in the sun, and a song came on, that instantly transported me. Listen to that guitar. To those guitars, sorry. Listen to the way they weave together, to that saxophone that comes shuffling in. Feel the way your shoulders just relax and your heartbeat slows. Why had I never heard... Of this man, Tabu Le Rochereau. He was one of the most influential Congolese musicians and pioneer of the Suku style of music. A fusion of Congolese soul music with the Latin rhythms of Cuba and the Caribbean, this was a musical style I had never heard before, and it reignited my desire to learn more about the varied musics of Africa. What follows is certainly not an exhaustive list, if such a list could ever be created, but is simply the fruits of a feverish sprint down a rabbit hole of African music. I want to tell a couple of stories that wowed me, share some music that blew me away, and shout out some record labels doing the fantastic and important work of finding, restoring, and reissuing this music. For a more complete playlist, of the music I found so enchanting, you can listen to the accompanying Spotify playlist, which clocks in at about five hours, and explore the albums and the artists sampled there. So, here we go. One of the most enigmatic artists to emerge from my virtual travels into Africa has to be Funky Rob. Funky Rob! Fucking fuck it, it, up, yeah! The Accra native was born Rob Roy Reindorf, but one listen to his music quickly I'm reveals person. how he earned his name.
1: I'm a spacey,
0: are. cosmic slop of a stew comes oozing out of the speakers on the standout track so Forgive Us All. Calm, Sultry it. wah-wah guitar pairs with trembling synthesizer as Rob's vocals not so much sung as much as declared no. in emphatic English beg for forgiveness and mercy like a heavy soul singer. One can imagine him jamming easily with Funkadelic if given the chance and a hit of acid. Rob put out two Afro-American-inspired albums of horn-filled psychedelic funk, and then the musical movement moved on, and he retired to open a chicken restaurant back in Ghana. The Every Hailing from Sudan, Kamal Kayla's musical story is one of censorship. Despite beginning his musical career in the 1960s, Keila has never released an album despite recording his music for Sudanese radio stations. At the time, it was illegal for Sudanese radio stations to play the recordings produced by music labels on air, and because of this, they had their own studios and invited musicians to record music for their program. In most cases, the musicians would not receive a copy of their recordings out of fear that they would release the music themselves, but Kayla managed to get his hands on a couple of his recordings and hid them away for decades. There they sat, molding and gathering dust, until they were dug up and remastered by Habibi Funk, a record label that searches for and reissues lost Arabic funk, jazz, and the like. On the Habibi Funk reissue Muslims and Christians, Kamal Keila and his band perform Sudanese jazz that draws on Ethiopian jazz, and that to American ears sounds much more akin to funk. Sometimes called the James Brown or Fela Kuti of Sudan, Keila sings in English and Arabic songs of unity and freedom in a country that is torn apart by civil war. On the title track, he sings, Muslims and Christians, we are one nation. Those are brave words now even graver when it was recorded in the 70s. Songs like African Unity and Agricultural Revolution speak to Kamal's politics, and the music accompanying the message is a robust, intricate style of jazz funk that feels equal parts American and African. When he sings in Arabic, the language contains an emotionality that easily jumps any language barrier on the final track of the album, Ajmal al It's a slow groove, it's Isaac Hayesian, no less so than because Kamal delivers a long Isaac Hayes esque rap, and though I do not know what he is speaking of, I can understand the guitar that cuts in, and the horns that create beautiful hooks, and I feel the unifying heartbeat of the snare drum attempting to stitch it all together. It became apparent in my research, jumping randomly from Art to Artist, Link to Link, that even distinguishing musical genres by country was a futile effort. After all, the music of Felakudi was, in a sense, a different genre from the music of William Onyabar, though they are both Nigerian. In Cameroon, thanks to the rescuers of lost music in Africa, the label Analog Africa, I found two of my favorite sounds, two disparate subgenres of dance-oriented music. Ganjal and the Makosa. On the Analog Africa compilation that brought together the lost recordings of Hamad Kalkaba, the sound of Ganjal can be heard clearly. enormous bass lines, crashing percussion sections, and horns that cry and bellow into the night. Kalkaba's music is infused with ghostly keyboards, call-and-response lyricism meant to be shouted from a dance floor, and tight musicianship that moves with the potential energy of a tightly wound spring. This is the modernization of the traditional music of northern Cameroon and it feels like a national joy. Also pulsing in the nightclubs and discotheques of Cameroon, from the port city of Douala to the capital of Yaoundé, was Makosa. As the traditional beat of the Sawa people's funerary music collided with merengue, highlife, Congolese rumba, and later funk and disco, Makosa was born. One second of Makosa is enough to understand completely what it is about. That bass, oh, that beautiful Cameroonian bass silky horns, the proto-disco dance beat that sets the soul on fire, electrified funk guitar meets the cosmic fuzz of synthesizers, chunky bass lines collide with drums so in the pocket that they seem to snap and tear their way through long, fiery tracks. One can picture the Cameroon of the 70s and 80s. The people, unified in their pursuit of a nation free from colonialism, crafting music to display their traditions, as well as push into the now and even the future. Okay, then the way I heard the next story was this. In the spring of 1968, a cargo ship was preparing to leave Baltimore with an important shipment of musical instruments. Its destination was Rio de Janeiro, where the EMSE exhibition, the exposition of the world of electronic music, was going to be held. Among the instruments were the latest electronic instruments, Rhodes, Moog, Farfisa, Hammond, and Korg, just to name a few. So the ship set sail, and then disappeared from the radar the same day. A few months later, on the Sao Nicolau island of Cabo Verde, a small string of islands off the west coast of Africa, villagers awoke to find a ship, stranded in their fields, Eight kilometers from any coastline. Portuguese scientists were sent to the scene, and after weeks of research, it was concluded that the ship had fallen from the sky. The bow of the ship showed traces of extreme heat, very similar to traces found on meteors, suggesting that this ship had penetrated the hemisphere at high speed. Okay, mystery permeated the event. A team of welders arrived to open the containers, and the whole village waited. The atmosphere, which had been filled with joy and excitement, quickly gave way to astonishment. Hundreds of boxes, all containing keyboards and other electronic instruments which had never been seen before, and all useless in an area devoid of electricity. The instruments were quickly distributed equally in places that had access to electricity, which placed them mainly in schools. The keyboards found fertile ground in the hands of curious children, who picked up the ready-to-use instruments. From this strange, astronomic mystery that seems to come from a Sun Ra song, the cosmic music of Cabo Verde was born. On the Analog Africa release Space Echo, the music of Cabo Verde is explored. The endless grooves that bore into the brain, the ecstatic horn lines, and undeniably funky bass, and most of all, the cosmic, heavenly synthesizers and electric keys. There are prodigal talents on display here, these songs seem as if they were beamed from another planet entirely. And perhaps they were. Closer to Earth are the compilation albums from Analog Africa tellingly called African Scream Contest. <laughs> Following from the funk and soul explosion in Benin and Togo as the music of James Brown poured into the voodoo rhythms of the traditional music, these compilations perfectly capture the loose, chaotic, psychedelic rock-inspired music that blasted onto the scene in the 70s. One of the greatest bands of their era, Orchestre Polyrhythmo, featured on this compilation, took the afro sound to another level. Their biggest song, Gebeti Majro, is full of raw breaks and hypnotic rhythms as well as screams a la James Brown. In fact, after this song, many bands in Venom started screaming on their recordings, hence the title of this compilation. Listen to the snarling, feral guitar that introduces this song, Aminwe von We." That is the tone that garage rockers in the States have been searching for desperately, and here it is on a track that is relatively unheard of outside of its native lands of Benin. I think that African Scream Contest Volumes 1 and 2 demonstrate the perfect commingling of American funk and rock with the creative genius and raw talent of the African continent. The jangling, riotous tambour of Abu Obaida Hassan of the Sudan? The hypnotic Afro-rock of Ghana? The rare female voice on the Afrobeat scene of Mary Afi Uswa? These are all sounds that defy simple label of world music. These are all sounds that have a history, a story, a culture attached to them that are as profound and expansive as any other music. And to think of countries that are in their present form, embroiled in war and famine, in humanitarian crises and political scandal, and to write those places off as something less, as containing an ounce less of humanity than any other country would be wrong. It would be criminal to take Somalia, for example, and reduce it to the headlines and easy jokes and to ignore the people who live there, the people who breathe there, the people who create beautiful, poignant art that resonates loudly and is, to borrow a phrase, sweet, has broken dates would be to miss out. When we step into the music of other lands, we need to do so for the right reason. It is not to orientalize and point a colonialist anthropological eye and to murmur. Oh, how strange, how odd, how exotic. It is not to exoticize, or other. It is not to create hard boundaries and say this is this and that is that. When we listen to the music of a people and attempt to understand something of the way they live and think, the way they feel love and pain, it can help us to grow closer as a globe. When you hear the threads of James Brown in the music of a man you'll never meet, who lived his entire life in the Horn of Africa where you may never go, you know intrinsically that you would have had something to talk about had you the chance. You could have thrown on a JB's 45 and grooved for a while. have no grander ideas, really, at the end of the day, than finding that groove. That global groove that defies the label world music, and instead can be seen as some sort of unifying humanity. There is world music, but more importantly, there is a world of music out there. Why not go out into it? You just might gain a little humanity along the way. After all, who, I wonder, could not benefit at least a little from hearing William Onyabar? Who could hear this man and not smile? that's it for this episode of the mysterious objects at noon podcast you can read the most recent mysterious objects newsletter as well as the entire archive at mysteriousobjects.substack.com a big unofficial thank you to analog africa habibi funk soundway records and all the other record labels doing the good work of restoring and reissuing music that would otherwise be lost. Now, Mysterious Objects at Noon is written and produced by me, Ryan Evans, which I guess you probably knew, but I need to include here at the end to make it all feel professional. Thank you so much for listening. Stay safe out there.